Welcome to In My Headache. I'm Aaron Rhodes. And I'm Bill Brownlee. Aaron is the oldest member of Gen Z. Bill is the world's youngest baby boomer. Aaron and I argue about, and sometimes agree on, the music we love and hate on In My Headache. In each episode, Bill and I debate the merits of two new albums and one vintage recording. In this edition of In My Headache, Aaron and I consider the latest releases from the stylistically comprehensive noise initiative, Fire Tools, and the rapper-turned-indie rocker, Lil Ugly Maine. We also discuss Stevie Wonder's chart-topping 1974 album, Fulfilling This's First Finale. In My Headache is brought to you by the Vinyl Underground at 7th Heaven, offering new and used vinyl at 76 Intrust in Kansas City, Missouri. Bill, was it your intention to sound as old as possible when you pronounced Lil Ugly Man? I couldn't help it. You didn't, you didn't go with the, you could have gone with the Nardwar style, Little Ugly Mane. Like you could have said little instead of, I, I think he does that sometimes. Little Uzi Vert, Little Ugly Mane. We can uh, talk about uh, all that, Little Aaron. Yeah. Uh, when okay. we when we, we get go. to the album. Yes. Uh, but but I know, like me, Aaron, you're among the lifelong music obsessives who wind up listening to the freakiest stuff imaginable. Because we're always trying to find new sounds, things we haven't heard. And that's partly why I've been fascinated lately by Eternal Home, the new album by Fire Tools. It's like nothing I've ever heard while simultaneously sounding like everything I've ever heard. Uh, Eternal Home is a mashup of black metal, jazz fusion, vaporwave, yacht rock, new age, techno, prog rock, glitch, hyperpop, video game soundtracks, and smooth jazz. Fire Tools is the musical focus, the primary one of the hyper prolific Angel Markloyd. She's a 36-year-old. She grew up near Baltimore and is currently based outside Chicago. And amazingly, Eternal Home is the seventh Fire Tool, Fire Tools album. But all that said, Aaron, I need help figuring out what's happening. Is Eternal Home meaningful music or is it merely a meme? I uh I, I found uh though I couldn't I was I was gonna ask you um a a similar question I because I I okay I you you told me that this was your new album pick and I went to go listen to it on Bandcamp and and oh I, I it is also uh kind of divvied up if you go if you look at it on Spotify as well in, into four different movements if you will and each each of them has a name 
that, that is listed on the Bandcamp. I don't know if you looked at the Bandcamp page, but I was going to ask if um, you were able to decipher any uh, specific themes or uh, subjects in a lot of these songs. Because, you know, the vocals in many of these songs are in the kind of more hardcore or metal vein. They are very screamy and a bit hard to uh, decipher. But that being said, um, I think it's it very well could be very meaningful stuff. Um, in the one short piece of press I read about Fire Tools, um, it discussed uh, how a past album of hers was dedicated to um, a uh, for a former cat that belonged to Angel that had passed away, and that she used like a recording of this cat's voice on the album posthumously, and made sure to credit the animal. Um, so, I and and if if you do look at at the uh, kind of liner notes that the album notes listed on uh, Bandcamp. Uh, on the song uh, To Make Whole, there are several dogs' voices that you can hear. They're not, they're not like front and center, but there are some, uh, some, some pet sounds, if you will, on this album. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's... Um, so I'm, I'm guessing that song may have to do with uh, another uh, special animal in Angel's life. And that maybe more of this uh, album is about her passion for animals. Um, there are uh, like song titles that are certainly in reference to animals, I believe. Uh, there's there's one called Lello Burbs, which I burbs I think meaning birds, just in a funny way. But um, it's funny. I, and that this song, is, that's, and that is a pure thrash song. Yeah. No. That one, yeah, that one has, like, I, I was gonna, yeah, no, I noted that, like, I was starting to kind of, like, ease into the album, get a little bored with it, but then that song comes on, and it's, like, blast beats for a whole entire minute, and it wakes you right up, and I think, I'm guessing Angel was kind of listening to the album back, and, like, oh, yeah, I did do, like, five kind of, like, mid-paced, jazzy, weirdo songs in a row let me let me throw some blast beats in there and uh i think that was quite effective in uh uh retaining my interest um but i was gonna say like the uh if you look at any of the album art or any of the you know visuals to go along with this album or i think most of fire tools discography it is very like rainbow colored and kind of zany. And it's kind of like a, I put, I, I wrote almost like a kind of a My Little Pony Care Bear style visual aesthetic, which I can't say is something that um, I, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not the first thing, like the not, it's not the first aesthetic that uh, I would choose for anything that I would, casually listen to but that being said i'm glad you had me engage with this album because it was a very 
fun and often propulsive listen like I, I think like I've gotten very tired of listening to hour plus albums recently but only because a lot of those are like major label rap releases that like are just kind of juiced for streaming like the label says like let's put all 20 of these songs you recorded on this album so the streaming numbers are good but I think while there there could have been maybe a little fat trimmed off of this album um I I was I had no problem sitting down and listening to this for 80 minutes for the most part how about you yeah it goes on forever but like you it seems to it's it it doesn't the length doesn't bother me either and to answer the question you posed what is this about i sure she has songs about cats and she's not joking about that you know yep. uh in the modicum of research i did i saw that she's a huge cat person and so there's songs about cats and there are lyrics that seem to be pure nonsense as well. But to my mind, the visual aesthetic and the everything at once sound uh, is re reflects an overall theme, Aaron, of internet, the, the, the internet itself. What is the internet? What is the, you know, the metaverse? What would the metaverse sound like? It sounds like this. It sounds like eternal home. So I don't think it's internet music, but it's definitely music of the internet. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, uh, it's uh, you, you mentioned like that. There are moments that remind you of video game video game music, and uh, there is certainly some stuff on here that I can imagine being like a more a uh, fucked up soundtrack to like Rainbow Road and Mario Kart uh, or just really any Mario video game. You could you could hear like this being like some crazy take on. Um, but I, I do like, yeah, like like you said in your intro, it, it covers uh, a lot of ground. And um, I like uh, like one of the standout moments for me was to make home be home. Uh, it's kind of, and that's more of like a foray into R&B pop and like uh, in a, in a very like tender, mushy kind of way, but like it, it really works for the, the overall aesthetic and theme of this album. And like, it, it, it's kind of funny, like it is a very, like it's not, this album isn't the first album to do this, but it does take like very rough aesthetics and makes them uh wholesome and like kind of like thoughtful in a, in a way that a lot of um what you would call heavy music doesn't and uh i think immediately um oh well, my, my experience listening to this immediately i i was like oh cool there's jazz fusion happening um so i well, you you and my dad are the two people i know who are most familiar with jazz fusion that i know so i sent a link to the opening track of this album to my dad i'm like dad i would love to know your thoughts on this and he i will quote his entire reply here he says 
I like that they're trying something new. I've never heard anything quite like that. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> My man. <laughs> yeah. Rob, Rob Rhodes is an open-minded dude and uh, that's great. Um, yeah, no. So my really, and like, I, I should, I should know more about jazz fusion uh, than I do considering uh, my acquaintance with both of you, but my only reference reference points are really like return to forever, Victor Wooten and Thundercat. So Bill, can you, are can you like pinpoint any maybe more direct or closer reference points to the jazz that is happening on this album? Well, it's not so much jazz fusion, Aaron, but okay. uh, she talks a lot about how as a child, she was fascinated by the music that would play on the Weather Channel. And back then it was kind of more of a smooth jazz thing. And she, to this day, has a project called Non-Local Forecast, in which she releases albums of music in the style of, I guess, like 90s, early 2000s, Weather Channel, generic, ambient, smooth jazz sounds. As you listen to 90s? Oh, yeah. Once I discovered it, it's exactly the kind of music I can, uh, you know, you can hit play on and then you know, play repeat and then just there it is. And just like with so much Fire Tools, it is, it's funny. And I think she knows it's funny. Yeah. Angel knows what she's doing is hilarious, but it's also not intended as ironic. Yeah. Her love for all these musics is sincere. It's it's post-ironic. It's post-ironic. She really means it. Yeah, no, and you can tell she also has a very thorough knowledge of these, at least at least a baseline, if not thorough knowledge of many of these genres she's pulling from. Yeah. So, you know, I can't, I honestly can't listen to, you know, Christopher Cross or Lindsey Buckingham, Fleetwood Mac without smirking, but that's not the case with her. She pulls on that sort of music as well. And her evocations of the sound are very loving and tender. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and uh, for all for all the chaos that happens on this album, I do love that it kind of ends with what appears to be a field recording of like an owl in the woods for about like maybe thirty seconds to a minute, and uh, I find I, I found that to be a very nice way to like ease the the listener back into the real world and and while still maintaining the the animal uh, theme. So I, yeah, no, I had a lot of fun listening to this album more, more, more so than I thought I would. I thought I might be in for like a noisy, grindy, electronic, experimental mess, but it was, it was far from that. And I am a big fan of this album. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. I, I don't know, you know, it's that time of year when you have to start thinking about end of year album lists and song lists and so on. I honestly don't know if this is going to be my top album or if it's not even going to make my list. I still haven't come to terms with it, but the fact that I am spending so much time thinking about it is a good sign. Yes. 
No, I, I, I don't think it's hard to, uh, I, I think it's very possible this could end up in my top, top 50, if not top 25. I don't know. I, I, it needs at least a couple more listens from me, but it's, uh, it, I encourage anyone with a, a, uh, an open mind to give this one a shot. Um, someone else with an open mind uh, when it comes to genre and who is perhaps uh, prolific to an equal or at least rival level as Fire Tools is Lil Ugly Mane. He is a Richmond rapper, producer, and singer-songwriter who has been active since the mid-aughts. He kind of travels simultaneously in the worlds of underground hip hop, uh, punk and hardcore and metal, and more recently, uh, indie rock. As you can hear on his new album, Volcanic Bird Enemy and The Voiced Concern. I hope it's worse for you today. Ooh, oh, oh. I want it bad for you today. Ooh, oh, oh. Well, Ugly Mane uh, has quite the reputation among uh, the the groups of music fans I referenced before uh, through touring with Tommy Wright III, uh, earning praise from Earl Sweatshirt, collaborating with Denzel Curry, Space Ghost Perp, and wiki from rat king and just earning lots of positive album reviews over the last several years um people are likely most familiar with his uh debut as little ugly main or his first lp as little ugly main which is called mr thug isolation in 2012 um that album is basically just straight up uh 90s memphis like three six mafia worship and he kind of nails it just he has you can tell he's very passionate about that sound and um he's a very skilled producer and rapper um and but i i may be wrong about this perhaps i i i'm guessing i should have this is a thing i now think i should have looked up for certain but I believe on that album, he pitches his voice down in a way not unlike like in a chopped and screwed mix. So it's kind of funny. He takes the the name Lil Ugly Mane. Uh, he has this pitched down voice on his biggest album. And it, it kind of like to anyone uninitiated, I think he may like it's, you know, 2012 was kind of a different time and you can tell he obviously has the utmost respect for the artists he was mimicking in that era of his career um so but so i I would say at most it's untaste distasteful maybe what he was doing at that point i don't know how you feel about it bill but um i've i've listened to a, a small handful of his more uh, ex- like he has many side pro- projects under different names. Some of them get pretty weird and experimental. Some of them are just kind of beat tapes. Um, he's done some black metal stuff, some solo black metal stuff. 
but this album is i think his big foray into kind of lo-fi experimental indie rock not unlike that of the also prolific alex g i i think i would sell this album to my friends as like a strange uh hip-hop adjacent companion to your favorite alex g album bill how do you feel about little ugly Maine and uh, volcanic bird i was aaron among the uninitiated mm-hmm. so i have no opinion of this guy's past or what he's done or where he's come from have and you listened to uh, mr thug isolation nope no. and i've uh I don't even know what he looks like. So I, I, in fact, I just assumed he had no identity whatsoever. And I assumed he, until I did uh, a little work on it earlier today, I just assumed he was a new guy. So when I was listening to this for the first time, I listened to it two or three times without doing, without any context whatsoever. I thought, oh, this guy took what the late Lil Peep was doing and filtered it into what a real fan of De La Soul might do. And you combine the uh, kind of opioid rap with psychedelic hip hop and then decided to throw in uh, just a wild concept album like the Beatles White Album or an early Sid Barrett era Pink Floyd album and just throw in every kind of sound and mix imaginable. Like, just kind of like the Fire fire Tools, Eternal Home. It's like, what kind of music has there been? What kind of music have I ever heard that I like? I'm going to put it on here. But in that De La Soul Little Peep, Dane. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I kind of, I n- noted the uh, kind of, yeah, like there are these kind of like breakbeat hip hop, hip hop beats that De La Soul and I, I was kind of, I, I think I wrote down Beastie Boys, like you could, you could say the beat, like there's a couple songs where the a beat could be something like you would hear on a Beastie Boys song. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's lots and lots of different uh textures and sounds going on on this album there is like some psychedelia uh specifically on human fly there's like this kind of like old timey carnival music type melody happening i'm not sure what he uses to uh create that sound but and it, it, it sounds kind of reductive to say old timey carnival type music but i think anyone who listens should get that it is a very cool thing he's been able to incorporate and it's pretty tasteful if you ask me um and it's still like being a very uh depressing kind of album it is very sad psychedelia at times uh it still manages to have a sense of humor like some of his past work has uh there's the song uh, Styrofoam that opens with this like sample that's like, uh, hello, this is Purgatory, the devil speaking. 
and so I, I found that to be very funny and uh, kind of matching with this kind of weird, like scratchy lo-fi sample uh, theme that happens over the course of this album. And yeah, there's like a, I don't know, it's some, some of the, some of the songs sound as if they could be like, kind of like, I don't, I don't think you're wrong to uh, mention De La Soul or like kind of jazz rap type stuff, because some of it does kind of sound like it could be like a late night adult swim bump, which that's kind of like right on par for. Um, but so a thing you, you say you haven't looked much into Will Ugly Mane uh, around this album, but, um, and I don't know if this has writ- been written about formally, but um, it, there, it, there's at least like notes about it on uh, Genius, I think. But um, he earlier this year, I think, or late last year, I think accidentally, like he meant to post it to his close friends Instagram story, but instead accidentally posted it publicly that I believe he was diagnosed with MS or something of that type or like was like in the process of like seeing doctors about that possibility. And so I think uh, in, in he, he makes references to like feeling like he's in hell or in prison and like he, he, this, that easily could have been a COVID era. Like, you know, I think you probably hear that on a lot of albums coming out now that like the feelings of isolation and being disconnected and being at home all the time, but con- considering uh, his own health issues, which he like he he addressed that he accidentally posted that uh, later on that day, I think. Um, but I think it's really this album is really and it it like having that knowledge make this makes this album a little more intense to me. And there are like really beautiful sad moments on it and funny moments on it and it manages to do a whole lot in its uh hour-long runtime that revelation changes everything aaron Mm -hmm. Uh, because i heard it honestly as a drug album yeah i mean he you know he very well could be taking drugs to deal with you know whatever uh symptoms he's having or you know just dealing with the isolation of COVID times, so. Well, yeah. songs like Benadryl Submarine. Yeah. Not only are they really interesting to listen to and really catchy, but it's it's like, this is just as good as Beck's Loser, the big hit from forever ago. Yeah. It's like, th- this it's is- cooler. <laughs> this is radio. This is radio ready. I don't know if I would go as far as radio ready. I think a lot of people would be thrown off if they heard this on a commercial radio station. I'm not sure if I would agree with you there. But uh, uh, if, if you took songs like Benadryl Submarine out of the context of the album and put them on the radio next to, you know, whatever indie pop things are happening now, I think it would work. Okay. Well, okay. Maybe, maybe, you know, like it would it would be really funny, like to even like send this, like send us one of the the more like straightforward, poppier songs on this album to like 
uh, radio station, like whatever radio stations are playing, like the new 24K Golden featuring Travis Barker song and like dress it up like that or even like, like prank them and put featuring Travis Barker just on one of those songs and like see if they go for it. That I guess that would be interesting. I will, I will think about that note of yours next time I listen to this. I, and I, I do foresee myself listening to this album a lot this winter considering it, it won't be as depressing and lonely as last winter knock on wood but uh i think we're we're maybe in for another one of those and i'll need this album uh, a few notes i wanted to hit very quickly i you, you i guess i guess we'll make a bit out of do aaron's lightning round i notice i keep doing this just because I have points I want to get in that I worry we will not make it to through organic conversation. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome to do the same. But um, I like that the song VPN is a kind of tasteful internet reference uh, while he discusses his time spent sealed off at home. Another and, radio uh, song, by the way. What's up? That's another radio ready song, I yeah. think. And I think it's also fitting and kind of cool given how important the internet has been for his career relative to most artists right now he's you know he's very he has a kind of a cult following that stems from his prolific internet like Bandcamp output um i love the tiny little drum break that happens at the end of into a life that kind of like teases at the song like exploding into this big power pop thing but then it, it just cuts off after like three seconds uh and also the song cursor is one of my favorites i like that it's um basically an indie rock song about hating someone or at least like it uses the metaphor of hating someone because to me uh, a lot of indie rock is just so like passive and wimpy in a, a way that annoys me on a personal level that an indie rock song about hating someone is very cool to me i'm like oh it's you you, you like yeah it's like a punk and hardcore song but just just you know different instrumentation and then i love that the beat switches kind of in the middle of that song and there's all these organs and then synths and his voice comes in and it turns into a dance beat at the end like that song does a lot for me and uh yeah i love this album yeah it's a good find i was shocked after hearing how good it is that i had been in the dark so thank you aaron happy to to throw the lights on for you bill um Bill, do you want to do you want to tell us about your throwback pick for this week? I'd love to. Until now, I haven't selected any albums for discussion on In My Headache that are deeply personal to me. Uh, but this album, Stevie Wonder's 1974 release, Philonius's first finale, easy for me to say. They say that hey. is one of the most important albums 
of my childhood and my life. I can still remember the feel of the paper stock after I bought the album and would, you know, would subsequently play it over and over again. And this album introduced me to so many musical concepts and just general perspectives on life that still mean a lot to me and resonate, resonate with me. So it, the, the album is the standard, I think, more than any other thing uh, by which I experience all the music I hear. So the context here, everyone knows Stevie Wonder, but he'd put out his two best albums prior to this, Talking Book in 72 and Intervisions in 73. And amazingly, even though he was just 24, year old, 24 years old when the album came out, this album, it was his 17th release. But his second number one album, the first one was kind of a, more of a novelty thing. So he was at the height of his popularity and at the peak of his powers. And even decades later, this album means everything to me and I love almost everything about it. So I'm stealing myself, Aaron, you know, uh, in case you don't share my enthusiasm. Bill, do not worry. Uh, this this is a great album. It's one I'm I had not uh, previously listened to. Sadly, I'm happy that you brought it to my immediate attention. I'm sure I would have made my way to it in the near future if you had not. But um, no, you don't you don't need to brace yourself, Bill. Don't worry. Um, what I wanted to ask you is, well, I was going to ask you, yeah, but before you explained your, your personal experience with it, um, but I do want to ask you, despite it being a number one album and coming out like in kind of like what is considered probably his, one of his like, you know, biggest eras, like his most well-known eras, um, do you feel at all like this album is even a tad bit underappreciated because the the two Stevie albums that I see and hear discussed the most are songs in the key of life and inner visions. So do you feel like this one is perhaps undeservingly left out of those conversations? Well, as I said, I'm, I'm biased since this, this, you know, even though I, was aware of Stevie Wonder prior to picking this album up. I mean, I was just, you know, I, I was a consumer. I was a child consumer. And I went out and bought this like a kid today would go out and buy a BTS, whatever yep. product that BTS puts out would buy. So had I picked up Songs in the Key of Life first or as a new release or Intervisions, Maybe I'd say, well, those those are the one, you know, either one of those is the one. But this was the first Stevie Wonder album I owned and, you know, was able to hear all the non-radio tracks. And there, I mean, there are a couple songs, like the last two songs, I think, aren't, they're, they're the weakest tracks. Mm. But the non-radio songs are, other than those last two, are so meaningful to me like 
creeping, you know, it's just a kind of a slow, you know, slinky jam or smile, please album opener. It, you know, it's just so light and airy and positive. Uh, songs like that, that I, you know, never heard anywhere else blew my mind then. And they still open me to new ideas and new appreciation of sound itself. Oh yeah. That's, I'm, 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 I'm happy to hear about your uh, very visceral personal uh, experience with this album. Uh, you, you mentioned that Please Don't Go is, is, a, is a weak link for you, but that happened to be one of my favorites upon listening to this album. I think it makes for like a really great kind of grand finale showstopper. Like I'm sure if he like, was doing a concert in this era this would that would have made like a great closer song like you could have thrown like all these like false endings in there and like like really wowed people with that so i i i liked uh please don't go a lot but you also mentioned creepin which was another favorite of mine and uh being a uh the the oldest member of gen z and uh learning about uh R&B and soul and funk and jazz uh, backwards. Um, I can see Creepin' being on uh, Childish Gambino's Awaken My Love mood board. <laughs> it sounds like that fits in right there. And um, oh, what, what else did I have there? Um, oh, and I, and I do like that, um, I don't know, you haven't done nothing feels kind of like to me a musical sequel to superstition i don't, like it it uses the same kind of bubble rhythm i don't know if you call it a bubble rhythm but uh it kind of follows the musical uh blueprint of superstition and i'm not mad about that at all because like you could do like oh probably a whole album of variations on like Sir Duke or Superstition and I wouldn't be upset at it because those are timeless classics and uh yeah I could I could bear to hear a dozen more of those yeah I think when you write the best song write produce and record the best song of all time you're allowed to copy it more than once. is that super superstition yeah yep. yeah so yeah I, I I don't disagree and the other hit for listeners not familiar is Boogie on Reggae Woman, which stunned me because it was it it was maybe the most outside of country music, the most direct song about sex that I had yet encountered. And it still makes me blush. <laughs> but 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 for me the, the the song the songs that make this album so important to me are the two gospel songs. Well I guess please don't go it has a bit of gospel in it, but uh, heaven is 10 zillion light years away and they won't go when I go are the songs that changed everything for me. And they still, as I said earlier, inform my spiritual life. Yeah. 10, 10 zillion light years away is a great track. I, I really love that one. And um, of course, not being versed in gospel music at all. Is this a, cover or a kind of rendition of like a direct like pull of like a standard of any sort or is this 
a, a true original because it, it kind of like you know I think I, I guess a lot of gospel songs do use similar song structures and progressions and stuff but I don't know maybe I just I had just heard that song somewhere before and didn't realize it but it what yeah. what, what what can you tell me about that song's composition yeah I honestly don't know Aaron you know how closely based either of these tracks is on uh, a gospel standard, but certainly they're in the tradition, except lyrically, mm. you know, they, yeah, they, they know. wouldn't use zillion back in the day. That's no, fun. no, but That's it's cool. not so much that, but you know, he, you know, his, he, it's, it's subversive in the sense that, uh, you know, his, his, I don't, I don't even know that he says the word Jesus. It's, mm. you know, it, uh, his spirituality is kind of cosmic and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's very clear that he leans on God capital G, but it may or may not be the same God that you'd hear about in uh, a church in 1974 on Sunday morning. Oh, and um, oh man, I I sound like uh, a broken record, but it's, uh, but um, I'm not versed as well as you are in funk music. And just on a on a weird throwaway tangent, you saying that um, about the song's relation to gospel tradition makes me curious about. I don't, see. I'm. I'm not. I. I would be curious to know about George Clinton's relationship with gospel music because there is a certain level of funk, or at least funk adjacency, on this album musically, and so I guess that just made me curious about where where other uh, musicians in that tradition, uh, how they uh, kind of conversate with yeah gospel as a institution and uh, music style there's nothing more ferocious or wild or unhinged than a live gospel album in which you can hear not only the performers but and not the primary vocalists and the choir but the people within the church just losing their minds. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it has the same fire and elegance and transcendence that the two of us and most people, I think, want from the the music they love most. Uh, but it, you know, whether it's you know punk rock or funk or country or classical music it's there in black gospel uh the best of it so i'm not even sure what you asked but yes uh that that legacy uh is very present on this album and of course the best work of george clinton who you mentioned yeah wait, wait, wait okay well you say you say that you think this uh this uh, freak out reaction is 
present in many different styles of music. And I agree with you there. You, you mentioned country though. I'm, tr- I'm just trying to think right now of what musician people are screaming at, at, at a country show, at least in, 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 in any era. Maybe that was a bad example, but you listen to like- uh, no, def- def- Definitely punk and hardcore and metal and gospel and R&B. Definitely 90, like 80s, 90s R&B. You can uh, yeah. hear it. Okay, maybe uh, like uh, Johnny Cash's live recordings, like the Folsom Prison album, yeah. there's, because the audience is there, and of course they are literally prisoners, and, uh, you know, they're shouting back at him, and he's responding accordingly. There's yeah. a bit of that there. Yeah. And of course, you know, he would come from the white gospel tradition, but also, of course, he'd be aware of this music we're talking about as well from prior decades. Yeah. No, and uh, I guess... Quickly, I wanted, uh, I figured we should wrap up in a sec, but um, I have seen Stevie Wonder uh, live at his, I think, what was his most recent Sprint Center show uh, at which he performed songs in the Key of Life uh, in its entirety and was joined by Janelle Monet at the show's conclusion. And that night, the Royals like clinched their World Series berth, I believe. So it was a a very wonderful, joyous evening on all fronts. Were you at this show? Which Stevie shows have you been to, if any? I was not at that show. I know I was working somewhere else. Uh, yeah, I, I saw Stevie only once. Uh, I think it was eighties. But it's you know Stevie's you know one of the guys. Not not to reverse course and start talking smack here. But he's, he's one of the artists who think, how, how could someone who made all this game-changing music kind of revert into a kind of an easy listening uh, artist that doesn't seem to be trying much anymore? And in going back and listening to this again as just a, a labor of love here, I thought, boy, all the signs all the signs that he would maybe eventually tone it down and become overly sentimental and kind of, you know, just obsessed with silly love songs. All the signs are here and on all his albums, it was always there, but the dangerous experimental side has kind of, you know, evaporated leaving the, the, you know, the often cheesy balladeer, uh, so only you know and that's it, what you saw more of at your 80s stevie show yeah 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 it's I, I i love the man and i will cry real tears if i uh should should i outlive him when he passes uh but yeah i i i i'd lie if i said i wasn't disappointed by the last 30 years of his career yeah. No, and he hasn't had a new album in fifteen years, maybe. It's been a while. Yeah. You know, he he should, he he. God, I can't remember who who it was, but he plays harmonica on some new album on a yeah. track or two this year, mm-hmm. and it sounds great. It's, it's it's like oh, he can he can still do that really well. So yeah. he's you know, there's sparks still, and I I would be mortified if Stevie ever caught wind of this podcast and me 
saying bad things about him. But we love you, Stevie. I, I love him so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's what we're that's what we're here to do. We're here to talk about loving music and that that's that, folks that's what in my headaches all about uh i love music bill loves music bill loves stevie wonder i love stevie wonder this is a, one of stevie wonder's great albums and i look forward to exploring more of his discography bill do you have any other closing notes or uh things you would like to plug nothing to plug nothing to say i'll leave it to you well, I will plug Bill's plug for him. Uh, go go to therestandstheglass.com and plasticsax.com to read his writing. It's always wonderful. Um, you can follow at ShuttlecockMag on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to us on YouTube and our podcast feed wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, shuttlecockmusic.com is the website. Look out uh, for our print magazines and record stores coffee shops and various other places around the city um and have a wonderful day or night or whenever you listen to this and and we'll see you next time